the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Bert Harper, Alex McFarlane with you today, and we're going to be in Acts chapter 10 today. It's a great, great chapter. Matter of fact, it's going to introduce us to a centurion. Uh, By the way, there's five centurions mentioned in the scriptures, and all five are sought in a favorable way. Now, that's that's something when you think about a centurion being in charge. They were well-disciplined, uh, you know, tough-minded, uh, well-talented, brave men, and each one of them is seen in a positive light. And today it's going to be Cornelius. And Alex, when I see a man like Cornelius that feared God and wanted to know more, guess what? God got more to him, didn't he? Exactly. It says he was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He was a generous man, and he was a man of prayer. And, and you know, you're right. Uh, the centurions, Roman soldiers in peak physical condition, they are always cast in a positive light, aren't they? They are. And speaking of that, I want to cast some light. Now, that's a pretty good segue on your weekend. Good segue. I, yeah, yeah. But I, I had a great one. I was down in Smithville Baptist Church where I've been preaching and supplying for them for a while and just enjoyed that, met some great people as, as usual. But I heard things went well in Arkansas. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Bert. And I want to say a big thank you to Pastor Joshua Ramsey at Boundless Grace Baptist. You know, kind of several cities there, Rogers, Bentonville, Fayetteville, And uh, we were there at Boundless Grace. Angie went with me, and we were there Friday, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning. And I want to say thanks to just the love that they have for exploring the Word. Bert, everybody ask about you, and Jan, and they just loved on us, those wonderful people in Arkansas. But listen to this. Um, A man named Larry Cheek, and Larry, if you're listening, I want to thank you, drove all the way from Illinois. Now, people came from Little Rock, from all over Arkansas, Missouri. People drove in several hours. It was my honor to preach, and we had a number of people come to the altar, and uh, at least one that came to know the Lord, and uh, several that prayed to make sure they were saved, and then others praying for revival, praying for different things. But uh, of, of anybody who drove in, Larry Cheek from Illinois drove many, many, many hours and so many others. But uh, Boundless Grace in Arkansas, we love you, and thanks for a great weekend of revival. That's exciting to hear, and we're praying, God, start a great awakening. Start yes. one, and you never know where it could be. Boundless Grace, Smithville, Wherever it might be, God, pour out your spirit, and may we seek him and follow him. And, Alex, speaking of that, I find God working in John, excuse me, Acts chapter 10 uh, the way he has before. While he works in someone's life, he's also working in someone else's life to bring those together. You remember when the uh, Saul, God uh, on the Damascus Road, told him to go somewhere, and he had Ananias there. He is working on him to bring them together. And again, this happens. Cornelius and Simon Peter, uh, 
God speaks to Cornelius, but at the same time, or close to that same time, he is speaking to Simon Peter to bring them together. And what a great way. I love that. That encourages me because I know while God's working in my life, in my heart, he's also working in the hearts of others and, and bringing it together for His His our good and his glory. Well, amen. He always does that, and he works through people. And here in Acts chapter 10, I, you know, I love this. I mentioned this uh, a minute ago, but verse 2 says he was devout. He prayed to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid, and he said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Well, Bert, our prayers, our service to the Lord, our, yes, our giving, yeah. all these things. You know, I, I quote it all the time, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. When this, this Gentile, Cornelius, this centurion, is praying and seeking the true God and serving the Lord, it wasn't unnoticed, was it? It was not. You remember another here in the book of Acts. Uh, the treasurer of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, went to Jerusalem. Uh, I, we don't know all the reasons he went there. He may went to get some of the scriptures. He got Isaiah 53. And when the Amen. light was that's coming a good in, one. <laughs> yeah, God sent more light. Now, that's the principle. And those of us who know of God's love, but also know, go of, know of God's demand that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus we see this in Scripture. We've seen it again and again. That's why I try to take note of it, that once you follow the light that God gives you and you follow that light, you respond to that light, when you need more light, he sends more light, Alex. He does. He does. And, you know, we had that question of the weekend. What about those that were born in some jungle or something somewhere and they weren't able to hear a Christian radio station or go to a church? Well, when people respond to the light they have, they get more light. And uh, that's a, a wonderful subject that a lot of missionaries have talked about, how when people are reached, very often they find out that tribes had spent years saying, God, whoever you are, show us and we'll follow you. But the, um, the angel appears to Cornelius, and he says, Your prayers have been heard. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Simon the tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. You know, the devout soldier under the devout centurion, Bert. I always used to wonder, maybe this was somebody that the centurion Cornelius had led to the Lord, but your influence for the gospel in the workplace, I mean, Bert, I don't think it's a stretch to talk about Cornelius apparently was a witness in the workplace because we've got a devout centurion and working under him as a devout soldier, and uh, I've got to believe there was some uh, iron sharpening iron there from two men who both believed in the true God. Well, I do as well. Notice again, you mentioned it, and I'm going to go back to it. Verse 2, he feared God, uh, a God-fearer. Now, what this was is a Gentile 
who recognizes there's one God, and he recognizes that the Jewish community worships one God, and he's heard about, and he's noticed and observed, and he usually starts coming to a local synagogue. He does not become Jew. He does not proselyte. He stays a Gentile, but he's still worshiping God, a God-fearer. And there's no doubt Cornelius did this, and here is, like you said, the devout soldier. Uh, did he come along, or did he observe? Did he had the same thing that, that Cornelius had, knew there was a God, and he was going to worship him as well? But it is iron sharpening iron, and it also tells how witnessing happens no matter where you are. Again, Cornelius needed more light. He was a God-fearer. But this soldier, I believe, saw something in Cornelius that was real con and consistent. I, I just want to tell you, I don't think uh, you're going to get anywhere unless your faith is real and your faith is consistent. Those two things, Alex, draw people to truth. They really do, don't they? Well, they do. They, they really do. And, you know, you mentioned uh, the fact that in the New Testament there are five different centurions. There's something in the next section here, 9 through 16, that kind of makes me smile. Um, after we get this intro in Acts 10 of the first eight verses, um, and Cornelius has an assignment here, and uh, they the men are sent to Joppa, we sort of change gears for a little bit. <laughs> Meanwhile, next, back at the ranch, you remember those old B westerns? Uh, I, I love that phrase. I, yes. I do too. Meanwhile, while God, while this was happening here, this is happening. So go ahead, Alex. And and yeah, later on in chapter ten, we're going to pick up again with Cornelius. But this is sort of a little aside, if you will. The next day, as they went on their journey, drew near the city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Peter became hungry, wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he kind of drifted off into a trance or a vision. Now, this, this is, believe it or not, some of the most key revelation in, in the New Testament and certainly in the book of Acts. Peter saw heaven opened, and there's like this sheet, like a big picnic blanket laid out, and uh, at the four corners descending, and there's all kinds of four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. A voice came to him, and in my Bible, it's red. So I'm believing this is the voice of Jesus. Mine's red, red as well. What does yeah. it say? Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, before I read verse 14, <laughs> you remember uh, after Saul's Damascus Road conversion, Ananias is called to minister to the new-born believer, Saul, soon to be Paul. And verse 13 of Acts 9, the Lord says, Ananias, get up and go help this new believer. Ananias says, Lord, I, uh, Lord, you, you don't understand. This guy, Saul, you know, you don't want me to go near him. He persecutes the church. Well, in Acts 10, verse 14, Peter also is going to correct the Lord. Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything unclean or common. Bert, I have to smile because to this day, sometimes don't we want to help God out? And sometimes we think maybe we know better than the Lord knows. Not so, Lord. I, listen, <laughs> I, I, I did as well. Smile comes on my face. 
Lord, you don't know who I am. I've never done anything like this before, and you're asking me to do this? That is his attitude, and God comes to him a second time. I love, I mean, God is so patient. He is patient with Peter. I'm glad he's been patient with me as well, Alex, but he says, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. I read one commentary. This was interesting, you know, that you needed two to three witnesses. So uh, God wasn't going to mess with with Peter. He knew he was hard-headed, and he was a legalist when it came to the diet. And so he gave it three times, so he couldn't deny it, Alex. So uh, sometimes I'm afraid we don't obey the first time we get it. I'm glad God gives us, and he's patient with us. And uh, so it says in verse 17, Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry of Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. Let me see. Just coincidence that the timing is that good, isn't it, Alex? <laughs> mm, well, not a coincidence. God's providence. Amen. But it, isn't it something? It is. You know, I think about this. To be discipled or mentored or at least interact with the Apostle Peter, it's just amazing how Cornelius had been, you know, called to connect with Peter and the men go and it, it's going to happen. It, and it's, it's just amazing. But, be- well, I hear that music. Well, and that w- means you're going to have a break, doesn't it? It, it does, and I want to say a little bit about Peter's vision when we come back, but you're listening to Exploring the Word with Acts chapter 10 and your calls and Bible questions, so don't go away because right after this break, we'll continue on today's edition of Exploring the Word. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Robin Miner, Acting Chief Operating Officer for Federal Student Aid. His office oversees the lending operations for the federal government and regulates colleges and universities that receive federal funding. Proverbs 16.16 reminds us of the importance of education. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver? Right now with this in mind, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Robin Miner in his work at the Department of Education. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says following God means following His plan a custom-made destiny all our own. But what if we insist on going it alone? We'll hear about both options today as we spend two minutes with Tony. We've got a generation of people with no future because they have no sense that they have a destiny. That's why people don't know who they are, where they're going, when they're going to get there. They have no sense that I have a significance so deep that God has even covered my future, which means he's covered everything till I get to it. A caterpillar has a special future. I mean, it may be slow and slimy, but once it cocoons inside slowness and ugliness, 
is beauty. Inside this slimy little creature is somebody who's going to take flight to the sky. See, a lot of us have had a caterpillar existence. We've been grounded by our background, grounded by our circumstances, grounded by our upbringing, grounded by a no-caring deadbeat dad, grounded by an insensitive mom, grounded by relatives who abused us, who called us names and misused us. But let me tell you about your birthright. Because the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ into your life and were born again, God started the process of creating a butterfly. The problem is you can get so used to being a caterpillar so long that you don't even think that you can ever be a butterfly. But a butterfly is your birthright. Learn more about who you were created to be and how to live out your purpose successfully. Check out Tony's CD series, The Spiritual Toolkit, when you visit TonyEvans.org. Then be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. 1 Peter 4.10 American Family Radio. Now, back to the Bible study you're listening to, Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross, it's about my sin, it's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the storm. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. You know, folks, as we read Acts chapter 10, and Bert, I believe you'll concur, I'm just amazed at the wisdom of God in orchestrating the details of this world and getting his gospel out. Cornelius had been praying. Peter gets this vision where he realizes that in the atonement, the law is fulfilled. And so for the born-again believer, there's not clean and unclean. There's not works and legalism, but we are made righteous in Christ. And that's why, um, you know, I, I think that uh, we could talk about food and diet, uh, and Paul really set the, the ground rules. He said, I don't want to make another brother stumble, but all things really are lawful for me. Now, when we get over there to the meeting of Cornelius and Peter, verse 24 and following, uh, for one thing, Cornelius has his friends there. Verse 24, following day they entered Caesarea, Cornelius was waiting for Peter and the men, he called together his relatives and close friends. The arrival of Peter at this man's house is a big deal, isn't it, Bert? It is, really. That's what it's about. You already said it. Uh, yeah, the diet changed everything, but the big deal was people. That's that because you just did not, as a Jew, invite a Gentile in to your house to fellowship and to have a meal with. That's what it was about. And, and look at verse 28. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Forgive me. I didn't mean to interrupt. But, um, you know, and, and I want to come back to 25 and 26 in a second. But um, Peter says, you know, it, it is unlawful for a Jewish man to keep company with one or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I, I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection, literally came without hesitation the minute I was sent for, then for what reason did you call me? You know, what may I do for you? 
This is a beautiful thing. Peter is an observant Jew, but now he's born again, and his vision showed him that we are free in Christ. And and let me just say this, Bert. Um, I, I really had to learn this myself. Friend, if you've trusted Jesus, you've you've accepted Christ, you're born again, you are free in Christ. Now, we have the, I believe, privilege and obligation to pursue holiness and to live a Christ-honoring life and where to invest and try to grow and become more sanctified. But your standing with God is based on identity, not performance. The reason I say that, Bert, is I, I meet a lot of folks, and sometimes they they almost have trouble giving themselves permission to believe that God loves them. You know? Yeah. I, and and yeah. I want to say to everybody, if if you've trusted Jesus, let your soul be at peace. Because as as the vision, it's not works, performance, it's not clean or unclean because it's all paid for in Jesus. Give yourself permission to accept that God loves you as you are. Well said, Alex. Amen. And he does love you. And you, if today you're listening and you've never experienced this forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, he's paid the price. God has done what is necessary in order for you to come into relationship with him. Now, the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. He draws you unto the Lord Jesus, and he's speaking to you. Would you respond today by saying, Lord, yes, I know I'm a sinner. I'm lost. There's nothing, no performance that I can do to get myself right so I can be in relationship with you and be right with you and go to heaven. So today, I depend upon Jesus Christ. I repent of my way. I turn to you in faith, asking you to come into my life because you died for me on the cross. You rose again. I know that. And today, I believe that and trust that. Come into my life and save me. I pray that you would do that. If you have more questions, there's this number that you can call. 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. These are our partners in ministry. They lead people to the Lord. They help people come to that realization. And if you've never done that, I pray that you would today and ask Christ. Cornelius, see, he responded. Now it's your turn to respond. So, Alex, it is set up. And go back to 24 and 25. It won't take us long. But Cornelius knows something is special about Peter, and he bows down to, to worship. And Peter responds real quickly, and he said, man, I'm a man like you. Now, that's, yeah. I think that's something for him to say, a Jewish man saying that to a, a Roman Gentile. And, and so God's done a work in Peter's life. I want to say one more thing, and I'll turn it back to you. You see, God has continually worked on Peter. Yes, he's come a long way, but Acts chapter 10 demonstrates he had even further to come into his following the Lord Jesus. Alex, uh, you and I have been following Christ quite a while. But guess what? He's not through with us yet, is he? No, and and I still want to learn. And the good news is, as long as we're in the land of the living, 
we can learn and we can grow just like Peter did. Um, talking about the, the wisdom and the power of God in orchestrating ministry, verse 29, or 30 rather, Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, an angel, and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard. Send people to Joppa. Find Peter. Bring him here. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Verse 33. Now, therefore, we are all present to hear all the things commanded you by God. You know, Bert, i got to say this. Um, a time or two when I've been one of my heroes, Josh McDowell, Angie and I went with Josh and Dottie on a trip and for about eight or nine days, we were on the road traveling, and every day uh, in the morning, we'd have breakfast, and Angie and I, Josh and Dottie McDowell, and Josh would lead us in devotions. And you can imagine, uh, this was something I cherish as long as I live, that I had, for seven or eight days, I had Josh McDowell to teach me the Bible every day. And uh, Cornelia says to Peter, hey, you're here in my house. Uh, we want to gladly hear everything you might want to tell us. And verse 34, uh, Peter opened his mouth. And let me just say this. Have you ever heard the phrase preach from the overflow? Uh, you better believe it. <clears throat> yes. Um, friend, you can't, whether you're a minister or maybe you're teaching Sunday school or maybe you're volunteering at your church, you cannot minister on an empty tank. <laughs> Billy Graham says, preach from the overflow. And Peter is going to share what God just has taught him in his life. And Peter says, uh, in truth, I perceive God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. And basically, in uh, you know 34 and following, Peter is going to minister to Cornelius and all the people there. And it's going to be what they need to hear. But Peter is preaching from the overflow here, isn't he? He is, Alex. And let me say this, two things, and then we'll get back. I could not help but notice in 33 when it says, we are all present before God. Um, you know, Cornelius wasn't willing to just say, man, I got this. This is all mine. It's none of my uh, people here that I'm concerned about, my devout soldier friend. No, we're here. We're here to hear it reminded me of Rahab the harlot when the two spies said, now, if you will get into your apartment, in your house, hang out that rope, and when we see it, we, it you'll, you'll live. And they said, but everybody that you get under your roof will be safe. I thought of later on when the Philippian jailer is saved. Guess what? He got saved, went home, but guess who all got right with the Lord with him? His whole household. You remember Lydia there in Philippi when she got right? Her household. This is so real. We will wait to hear you. And they did. The other thing I was wanting to say concerning this, and, and he, this is not teaching a universal salvation when he says these words. He is saying, you have responded. You have responded, and now you get to respond more. Uh, that the word which God sent to the children of Israel, he explains to him that, yes, he could trust the Lord, but the whole idea of what uh, Peter is saying, 
God shows no partiality. That is what we read in verse 34. Every person has the opportunity. God knows who it is that will be saved. God knows, and he pre- He He precedes them, just like he preceded Cornelius with Simon Peter. He'll do that for you if you'll come to Christ. Alex, again, God has done what is needed on our part to be saved, but he's not through. He's still drawing men unto him, isn't he? Sure. Well, you know, we often get the question, Bert, um, what about those who live in some remote part of the world? And, you know, I'm going to tell you, early in my Christian walk, I heard preachers just pronounce a condemnation on all of the, you know, the hypothetical savage in the jungle. And look, you know, we don't know another man's heart. In fact, Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful and wicked. We we don't even know our own heart. That's why we need to humble ourselves and fall before God and trust Jesus, be born again, then continually walk and grow with the Lord. But um, honestly, I think you could make a case based on verse 35 that people are judged on their response to the light that they had. Would you agree? I do believe that. uh, That doesn't do away with Jesus being the way. It does not. He paid the way for Exactly. The one and only way. Exactly. Because that's what he does, isn't it, Nick? He he explains the gospel. He explains the gospel that Jesus, the death, burial, the resurrection of Christ, he's the son of God. And verse 40, God raised up Jesus on the third day. And so the, the witnesses chosen by God who had eaten and drunk with him, Jesus was seen alive and he commanded us, 42 and 43, commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be a judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. By the way, verse 43 of Acts 10, how do you have remission of sin? Believe in Jesus. Nothing is added to it. Um, Folks, you don't add to the gospel. You put your faith in Jesus. Now, the reason I said Acts 10 is so monumentally significant And it really is, because we see, based on Peter's uh, vision, it is not dietary rituals that is part of the gospel. Uh, It is not works, and it's not uh, selectivity, just the Jews and not the Gentiles. 44 through 48, something is going to happen that, you know, we're talking about learning and growing. The Jewish believers are going to be real surprised at what God does in the life of non-Jewish believers. Am I right? You are right. Even when we, we won't get to chapter 11 today, but when he gets to chapter 11 and he reports back, he's telling them what God has done. Now, let's set this up 44 through the end of the, the chapter. We've already seen the Holy Spirit minister on the day of Pentecost to the Jewish community. In Samaria, we saw God again pour out his spirit upon them with signs and wonders and the languages, the tongues. And now, just a little bit later, for as the framework of the book of Acts, this is probably 39 or uh, uh, 40 uh, A.D. Uh, this is possibly four or five years later 
the time frame in Acts is speculated a little bit. We know some of the things, but this is happening. And now the Gentiles are hearing this experience. And I want to read that. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now, this word also means Mm -hmm. the same kind. In other words, it wasn't less than, it wasn't more than. Also, it was an even, the same experience, for they heard them speak with tongues and do what? Magnify Magnify God. God. That's the bottom line, magnifying God. The others were signs to demonstrate. Yes, it was. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. Alex, uh, here we have it. You remember? It is. He said, start in Jerusalem, go to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. This is getting into the uttermost parts a little bit. This is the Gentiles, isn't it? Well, it is, and this is like Pentecost number two almost, isn't it? Because they get saved, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they are sharing the gospel in other languages, they speak in tongues, they magnify God, and Peter answered, and you get the implication in verse 46 here, that Peter exclaims, and and I think this is a joyful realization, He's happy about this. Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we? It'll it'll say just as we have, but it's really just as we. And Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they asked him to stay a few days. This is a beautiful thing because there's not only unity in the body of Christ, but there's a unity of salvation among all ethnicities. And that's why, Bert, have you ever been to maybe a missions conference or something that um, uh, a lot of people from different areas, but you come together under the banner of Jesus? It's a very glorious thing, isn't it? It's a little bit like heaven if you want to know the truth. And that's what we want here on Exploring the Word. Many denominations, many states. Hey, worshiping Jesus. Let's take those phone calls. That number, 888-589-8840. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. There were added that day about 3,000 souls. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The day of Pentecost concluded with 3,000 converts being added to the initial body of 120 believers. Then that 3,120 spent time together daily, going to the temple and interacting in each other's homes. 
They devoted themselves continually to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, sharing meals together, and praying together. The 3,120 that made up the early church came from Turkey, the Middle East, and Africa, and included Arabs and Romans. In addition to the geographic and ethnic diversity, they also spoke different languages. Yet they were made one family in Christ Jesus. Scripture has the answer to the issues we face today. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Luke 17, verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come. Before beginning a project, construction engineers always test the strength of the concrete they're going to use. The concrete is mixed according to specifications, then it's poured into cylinders to harden. The concrete can only be used if it doesn't crumble or crack. Jesus never cracked under the tremendous pressure of temptation. Your circumstances will be different, but the essence of temptation, the desires of your flesh, the desires of your eyes, and the pride of life never changes. Therefore, Jesus can identify with every temptation you face, and he'll give you the strength to be victorious in that temptation. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I know the answer to every question, the one solution to every fear. I know my help where it comes from. Jesus, He is the answer. Hallelujah. I love that intro, that song. Awesome. He is the answer. Hey, Alex, guess what? We've got Fishbowl Retreat for Pastors and Wives set. Amen. When is that going to be? It's going to be October the 19th through the 21st, and it's going to be at Pickwick Landing State Park near Savannah, Tennessee. This is a new location. Jan and I visited up there just the other day, and you will enjoy it. It's on the Tennessee River, just a beautiful spot. Jan and I will be there teaching and hosting. Guess who's going to be our guest teacher? Ed Vitagliano. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You've got to be there. He is, what a joy Ed Vitagliano is. He's brilliant, and he's funny, and he's just one of of the best speakers you'll ever hear. It is, and our speaker is, as usual, J.J. Jasper will make a way up Tuesday afternoon, and people can call. Everybody get ready for this number, 662-213-4055. 662-213-4055, extension 297. If you'll ask about Fishbowl, they'll know where to put it if you can't remember the extension. But also, it will be up by tomorrow, repairingthefoundations.net, repairingthefoundations.net, mm. and go up top on the link, our Fishbowl Retreat, and you can register online. Uh, This is Pastor and Wife Appreciation Month. We have it in October on purpose. So this is a good time for your pastor uh, to be sent. Listen, we, Jan and I, love to be around pastors and their wives. We invest in them. We spend time with them. 
and Ed and his wife, Diane, they'll be there. And Ed said, and I get to stay the whole time and talk to the pastors and their wives, don't they? And I said, you sure do. So, Alex, oh, that's wonderful. Fishbowl Retreat 2021, October so, the 19th yeah. and 21st, Peakwick Landing State Park near Savannah, Tennessee. Well, you will not be disappointed. I highly encourage you to go to that if you can. And, um, hey, by the way, quickly, I'll be subbing for Abe Hamilton in an hour on the Hamilton Corner. And my guest tonight, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, 5 to 6 Central, and so forth. But I'll be on the Hamilton Corner in an hour, and my guest will be Eric Metaxas. So oh, wow. tune in Amen. if you can. Yeah, that but, would be um, great. We're going to go to calls, and by the way, the number is 888-589-8840. How about we go down to beautiful Mississippi and talk to John. John, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, brothers, thank you. I sure appreciate everything y'all do. Uh, I've taken the, uh, the test twice to find out what your spiritual gifts are, and mm-hmm. it came up the same both, which is prophecy, number one. And uh, mercy was a close second uh, both times. Uh, But I want to make sure and ask you all, make sure I understand the gift of prophecy. My understanding is that uh, I'm able to uh, read the Bible and understand the Word and able to explain it to other people. Is that correct? And is there more to it than that? Okay, John, let me just share with you. When it comes to the gifts particularly, there's some, you know, avenues into it that may have a little bit different nuance. But the what a prophet did is foretell and foretell. Uh, foretelling is the issue of looking ahead and knowing. The foretelling is telling what people, what's going on now, and speaking to that. The gift in the New Testament prophecy, uh, yes, I think there's some scriptures looking at it and then knowing that. But honestly, the gift of prophecy, man, Alex, here's what I know. They really want truth, don't they? When you have the gift of prophecy, truth is so vital to everything. A forth telling truth. Um, mm-hmm. Would you uh, add to that, please? Well, you know, sometimes among the spiritual gifts, they talk about prophecy, teaching, and exhortation as motivational gifts. And um, it's a key distinction, Bert makes, from foretelling the future, which I really don't think people in the church can do these days, or forth-telling the truth of God's Word. Now, we know biblical prophecy, Christ is coming, and I think we can talk about the signs of the times, but I'm a little bit leery if anybody— and there have been people who might say, well, at, you know— Five o'clock on X day, this or that's going to happen, and usually that always comes out wrong. So when we talk about the gift of prophecy, it is forth-telling the truth of God's Word. And, you know, with that, you you know, there's uh, really teaching, um, which, you know, I think about uh, in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 about pastors and teachers and uh, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry— but also exhortation, you know, encouraging people like um, uh, Romans chapter 12 talks about exhorting people to rejoice and be patient. And so, brother, um, exercise that teaching gift, use it, and you'll grow in it. And just like we try to do, keep pointing people 
to Jesus. Amen. Let me um, let me say one word, Alex, before we go to the next caller on mercy. Honestly, if you look at the spiritual gift, it's showing mercy. If if you did, yes. now every believer ought to be merciful. I you, mercy's been shown to you by you not being in hell right now. Bert Harper, that's I'm speaking true. to me. Yes, but showing mercy is demonstrated. It's demonstrating it to be seen. And uh, so, I those of you that have that uh, showing mercy. Praise the Lord. All the spiritual gifts be used. What's the purpose? For the glory of God and the edification of the church. Uh, it's not for your own benefit. That's the spiritual gifts, Alex. How about we go to Nick in Mississippi? Nick, are you there? Yeah, hey, guys. Uh, hey, thank thanks for much, holding. Um, for your yes. min- yeah, for, thank you very much for your ministry. Uh, I just had a question. Um, I was watching a program. It was on Amazon, and, uh, I mean, I'm always kind of leery about, you know, Bible programs and uh, Christ- Christian programs on Amazon to begin with, but uh, this one was about Noah and Genesis in particular, and uh, it started off really good and well put together and um, pretty biblical and factual and whatnot. But then um, they got into some things about, I guess these guys are Seventh-day Adventists, uh, the producer and whatnot, but uh, they talked about like a pre-Advent judgment and also like uh, an annihilation, uh, you know, the idea that, and Lord forbid, but you know, hell is a real place. Uh, that's what I've always taught. That's what, you know, I've known. Uh, but I guess some, you know, these Seventh-day Adventists, not all of them, but perhaps some of them think that, um, you know, hell is just a place of annihilation, of, of non-existence. And I just wonder what your guys' thoughts were on, on those two teachings in particular, okay. uh, pre-Advent judgment and then annihilationism. Okay. Thank you, Nick. Uh, let me just share this with you, Nick. I'll make one statement according to what jesus taught and that supersedes what any teacher might come along and i don't think there's any interpretation that you could even make about anything about hell being a real place and even it talks about hell and death later on giving their dead up to the lake of fire, Alex, you know? Mm-hmm. So if if hell is that place and then they give that up to the lake of fire, it's not annihilation, is it? Well, that's true. I, I reject, whether it's the Seventh-day Adventist or any group that teaches annihilationism, um, because let me say this. Over and over, I mean, it says, you know, the smoke of their torment ascended uh, forever and ever. And the word everlasting in the Greek language means perpetual. Now, just as the believer has everlasting life, you know, you read Matthew 25, and Jesus said the unrighteous go away into, quote, everlasting punishment. I mean, Matthew 25, read 41 and following, Jesus himself says that the punishment just as the born-again believer has everlasting life, the unbeliever has everlasting punishment. So, yeah, but you're right. The Seventh-day Adventists have taught annihilationism, and a lot of you know more liberal mainline denominations do too. But um, I'm going to say about the eternal hell what Jonathan Edwards said, Bert, the great, uh, great minister of the colonial era, Edward said of an everlasting hell, "'Tis dreadful, tis awful, but 
tis true. And it is in the Bible, isn't it? It is. And again, Jesus is enough for me to believe that. Amen. Well, Brandon in Texas uh, perhaps has a similar question. Brandon, welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, hi, Alex and Bert. And uh, thank you guys for keeping me company on my commute every day. So, uh, <laughs> and thanks for, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, uh, you guys were talking about uh, hell last week and uh, about um, how those in hell now will be judged and then sent back to hell. And so, you know, and I've wondered about this for years, what, what would be the purpose or for whose benefit is that judgment? If it's pretty clear to everyone involved and those you know, who are in hell that they have been judged, that they're, they're not there for no good reason, right? Um, so I was wondering what was the purpose of that judgment? Um, and, you know, maybe what we're getting at too in the, the impulse for annihilationism is it strikes people as just unloving. Why would the loving God do that? And so there are just these questions that people have, you know, what is the purpose of hell, what is the way it's done, and, and how is it loving? And, and maybe if you just speak, it's a very, very big issue, that's a really big question for maybe a few moments, but if you would speak to that, and I'll take my uh, answer off the air, and thank you guys very much. Thank you, Brandon. Bless you. Alex, have you ever heard of a, a, a waste dump, you know, for a town, a city? They call it waste management. Now it's the place where that which is not used is taken, you know. And uh, in Jerusalem, they had Gehenna. It was a place of the garbage dump where the worm never died. The fire was always yeah. going. And Jesus referred to that. And it was a place of waste. Have you ever heard the song, Wasted Lives? Oh, how foolish. Mm. It's an old, yes. old, old song. But it's kind of, hell becomes a place, yes, it's a place of torment, a place of punishment, but it's people that wasted God's grace, they wasted God's provision, and now they're in that place, Alex. Yeah, I mean, you read Revelation 20, 11 through 15, uh, John says, I saw a great white throne, all right? Great means the extensive, sovereign over all the universe, power of God. White, utterly righteous and just. And throne, that's deity. The great white throne is, is God's throne and God's presence. And it says, earth and heaven fled away from his face. Uh, and the nations were gathered there. The dead, small and great, stood before God, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And it says, anyone not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, verse 15. Bert, let me just say this. Um, the Bible is, is clear that those who die lost are lost, and they, like Luke 16, they are in hell but then the unbelieving nations for eternity are thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, Mark 9, 44 talks about the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And I want to say this very briefly. People have speculated much. What in the world does it mean the worm does not die? Uh, Bert, think about... Uh, people when they betray their conscience and and listeners i mean you think if ever if ever you you knew you shouldn't but you told a lie or you knew you ought to forgive somebody but you just wanted to hold that grudge i think part of the the punishment of hell is going to be knowing all those times that you 
you knew the right and you could have done the right, but you did the wrong. You could have come to Jesus and you knew you should have come to Jesus. And yet you doggedly resisted. And Bert, people will talk about the fire of hell and how is that loving. But I think one of the one of the severest punishments for the lost is going to be that they know they are there by their own unbelief and obstinance. Yeah. You know? It is. And one of the worst things, there's no mourning. There's it's no you know, always heard it's going to be better in the morning, not in hell. No morning. No, no. Let's try to get one more call in. We have to do Let, it quick. Let's do that. How about uh, Buddy? Buddy in Mississippi, yeah. are you there? Welcome. Yes, sir, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, thanks for Greetings. holding. You're Greetings on. and salutations, you too. Thank I you. I have a question. And to you. Uh, first, I'm going to mention that uh, Robert Morris has mentioned a darkness of hell where there's no sight. No sound, everything, no solid, no sun, no moon, no stars. Mm. And there was total darkness for eternity for a soul that uh, spirit. And I, I just wondered, is, uh, is there a, such a place as a darkness of hell? There is. Matter of fact, and he also talks about the bottomless pit. Uh, if you look at that, you'll find out some of the things that's described about hell are man's greatest natural fears. And a baby, like there's two things that a baby is just automatically fearful of. One is falling. That's the reason you hold them close. You don't hold them way out. You hold them close. And then the noise. You remember the weeping and gnashing of teeth they hear? So much of hell is those things fear will remain alex uh darkness yes i again it's an amazing place it's a place you want to avoid isn't it it is you know matthew 8 verse 12 uses the phrase outer darkness literally exterior darkness if you've ever been locked out of the house accidentally on a cold night you know how frightening that is well you don't want to be locked out of god's presence turn to jesus call on him right now and he will hear you. He will. Heaven is a wonderful place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Turn to Christ. Do it now. Don't delay. You don't want to put it off. We're not assured of tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you. We'll be back more in Acts chapter 11. So tell someone about this program, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. Jesus.